This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. Uh, I am Michael Dwojek, and I am joined by the record North Shore founding members, Joe Coglin and Martin Carlino, like every week. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or have you. We are there to talk about high school athletics with you guys. All right, we're going to be doing our regular four-quarter format this week, though the quarters will be a little bit different than normal. In the first quarter, we'll recap the end of the cross-country seasons for both boys and girls. In the second quarter, we are joined by Loyola Academy girls cross-country head coach Chris John Simon as he recaps both the sectional and the season. In the third quarter, we're going to recap what was a very unique fall season here over uh, at the North Shore area and most of the state of Illinois, and I'm sure every uh, high school athletic federation, whatever you want to call them, uh, just a weird fall for everybody. And we wrap things up in the fourth quarter by trying to get our bearings about what the heck is going on with basketball. Are we going to see basketball at all during the winter, spring, summer, anytime in 2020 or 2021? We'll talk about it in the fourth quarter. So let's get things started in the first quarter where we recap everything that happened um, with our local teams at the boys and girls cross-country sectionals. Both uh, Loyola and Nutrier boys and girls uh, sectionals competed at um, Hoffman Estates this past Saturday. Um, Girls went first. There were about five races, um, and then everyone got out. And then there are five races for the boys. So it was uh, a lot of uh, a lot of social distancing, a lot of like, a good crowd there. But the uh, Hoffman Estates uh, uh, faculty and staff really did a good job of putting together a cross-country meet that Marty, uh, we talked about a little bit while we were there on Saturday, that uh, um, it was a little different from what we typically see from a cross-country meet, but it was pretty close to uh, the full products in normal times. Yeah, definitely a, a little bit longer than your typical uh, cross-country sectional, but that's all right. Um, same great elements included. You know, a lot of fans were there, socially distanced and masked, of course, um, and so, some great races, great environment. So all the energy and uh, excitement of a typical sectional, just a little bit more spread out than usual. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, usually when they had the sectional Hoffman Estates, they competed Bussy Woods, but because of uh, – permit issues and i'm sure just trying to be able to control everyone uh they probably had a better uh ability to control people on their own campus at hoffman estates high school um so that's why the course was there um instead of the usually uh, usual bussy woods where they competed but uh despite the different circumstances and the strong winds for much of the day um the nutrient boys uh cross-country team ended the season on a really strong note winning the boys sectional title um, they really just kind of dominated uh, in every uh, 
meet that they were competing in. It was, we talked about Marty a little bit while we were there, um, that they would compete with Barrington like they kind of did in the regional before. Um, but really, um, it seemed like Nutrier really just had his strongest meet toward the end, um, finishing uh, with 50 points, uh, just beating second place Barrington. Lake Zurich finished third with 86 points, while Hersey and Loyola finished fourth and fifth respectively. And the thing that really um, did it for Nutrier um, and what really has been the strength of uh, the Trevians this entire season um, is just their depth, where you have um, all these good runners um, competing for um, not just the first race, not just the second race, but even in the fourth and fifth race, you have these guys really competing strongly. And that's the reason why they had all of their runners finish in the top uh, 20. Um, but we had um, Nick Falk lead the way for the Trevians uh, with uh, a strong finish, uh, finishing third overall, third of the first race of the meet with a time of 15 minutes, 19.05 seconds. Warren's Luke Wiley uh, won the individual section of crown at 15.07.27. But uh, that depth for Nutria was just really superb. Senior Charlie Siebert finished fourth overall at 15.22.33. Junior George Cahill finished 13th overall, 15.44.05. George Estidi finished 15th at 15.45.95. And senior Connor O'Neill finished 19th at 15.54.60. And Marty, we talked about this where um, every single meet that Nutrier competed in, um, they were there at the top and they were like making sure that even though they didn't have the top finish overall, um, they really represented well in every single flight, which really helped them win that sectional title. Yeah. I mean that, that stat of having all five runners place in the top 20 is really just incredible. Um, and it, and it's such a note to the depth that you mentioned, Michael. I mean, in a normal season, this is certainly a team that we would have expect to compete for a state title. And I think they would have been right up there because so much depth, so much talent at the top of yeah. that roster. Um, Folk is certain Folk and Siebert actually, I mean, both of them are certainly probably two of the top runners in the state. So to have that kind of great, um, great talent at the top of your roster and then mixed with some unbelievable depth, in your three, four, five, six, seven runners. I mean, it just makes for uh, for a tremendous uh, unit. And they're widely regarded as one of the best uh, best units in the state, and they delivered and performed um, to win that sectional on Saturday. Definitely. And then for Loyola, uh, Junior Spencer continued to lead the way for the Ramblers as he has the entire season, finishing fifth overall at 15 Junior Aiden Simon also impressed for the Ramblers, finishing 24th at 16.02.12. Senior Spencer Jatsky uh, finished 45th. Junior Harry Wood Prince finished 53rd. And senior Michael Somos finished 60th overall. So congratulations to both the Trevians and the Ramblers on a strong uh, sectional meet. And then we're going to move on over now to the girls, where, uh, who started off the race. And um, heading into the race, we didn't know whether uh, they would start off with their best runners or whether they would... Uh, ease into that for the final race but um, pretty it was pretty uh, clear to see right from the first race that the best uh, started the day for uh, all the runners Loyola freshman Morgan Maggie took part in that first flight and she battled Grants and uh, Abby Nagovitz on the final lap of the race 
finishing just behind her in the end. Mackey's time of 17 minutes, 42.96 seconds, placed her second overall just behind uh, Grant's runner at 17.35.06. But uh, Marty Morgan really set the tone over there for the Ramblers where um, she was behind for the first few laps, but then when it came to the end, she really uh, pushed ahead and really made it a competitive race in their first flight. Yeah, really strong finish from her. And I mean, I think the incredible thing to think think over here is that she's just a freshman. So the future is certainly very bright for um, Morgan and also very bright for the Ramblers as a whole because uh, sort of their big three. I don't know if anyone's called them their big three, but I'm just going to go ahead and call them the big three of Mackie, Norman, and Grammis. Um, <laughs> all will be returning next year, um, barring anything unexpected. So they're, they're going to have their three top runners back next year. So we're, we're probably going to expect them to be uh, another very highly regarded unit again um, next season. So with, with Mackey leading the way, I mean, I think we, we definitely have to consider them a, a, a state title contender potentially next year. But as I'm sure you'll get into a little bit more, Michael, the, the depth of prospect, just too much to overcome for the Ramblers on Saturday you know, the saying goes death by a thousand cuts and that's sort of what it felt like from prospect. Um, they just, I believe placed their runners like something like five, nine, 13, 19, and like 21. So nothing overly outstanding. No, you know, no number one overall runner, but just five runners who are all extremely good and all placed in the top, top 20, 22 ish. So that, that depth just turned out to be a little bit too much for, uh, for the Ramblers to overcome. And interestingly, they didn't have their best runners run in the first flight, which I thought was really interesting. They really dominated later on in the uh, later flights, which really helped them dominate uh, and finished with 69 points while Loyola finished uh, second with 99 points. Barrington finished third with 101, while Lake Zurich and Nutrier finished fourth and fifth, respectively. Uh, you mentioned uh, sophomore uh, Maeve Norman. She competed in the third heat but fished, finished as the second fastest Rambler. She won her flight at 831-32, good enough for 10th overall. And sophomore Ellie Grammis battled it out in the second flight for the Ramblers, finishing with a time of 1842-62. Some other time, times for the Ramblers, Sarah Jay finished 44th overall. Aaron McCarthy rounded things out for the Ramblers, right behind Jay at 45th. Um, and for uh, Nutrier, a uh, good finish to the season. They kind of talked about how um, they're kind of used to competing with each other, running together in these meets, but because there were different flights, uh, the runners had to run by themselves most of the times, unless you were in the last two flights. Um, but Claire uh, Finnegan, a sophomore for Nutrier, led the way for Nutrier with a 25th overall finish at 1858-62. Junior Samantha Fellman wasn't too far behind, finishing 28th overall at 1904-94. Um, so a good competition, good season for our runners here in the area. Uh, the wind got pretty uh, pretty tough uh, moving on overall. Uh, the Hoffman Estates uh, course, I will say, wasn't anything too uh, too impressive. It was pretty flat no matter where you were, which the runners kind of talked about. The Loyola Ramblers actually talked about how it was a nice change of pace having to uh, – after having to run the hilly course at Munn's campus, they got a flat course at um, Hoffman Estate, which was really good. Um, there was talks about maybe competing in an unofficial state meet um, this upcoming weekend for some of these runners, basically a club event 
um, that a lot of these runners will be looking forward to. Obviously, no official state meet coming up this weekend because of COVID-19 concerns. But again, congratulations to all the strong runners on what they were able to accomplish in a really, uh, really bizarre season. So we're going to move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by Loyal Academy Girls Cross Country head coach, Chris Sean Simon. I caught up with him after his Rambush finished second at the sectional. He talks about some strong performances like Mackey, like we talked about earlier, um, having the battle prospect for the third time this year, and just what this season has been like for the Ramblers with everything going on. How'd you feel today? Obviously, yeah, it's down to the wire today. Yeah. We had told the girls, honestly, that we were going to just go for it. And if we finished second or third and we went for it, we'd be really happy. And our girls really just went after prospect. And I think we, I don't know the results. I think they might have edged us out, but that's okay. We, we put it out there. So that was exciting. What did you think uh, of the course today? I mean, obviously, windy, a little cold. And yeah. Obviously, uh, what did you think of it? Well, that? it was flat, which is exciting for us because we've only run on our course, which is hilly. Right. But with the... Uh, different flights each flight was different because the wind was different in each flight so at 8:50 there was no wind by this last race now at 11 it was really windy yeah. so that made the times the way they shook out really hard who uh, really impressed you today with what they gave oh well morgan mackey as usual our front runner she finished second with some really outstanding girls in the state and then ellie Grammis, our number two she just she went after it, which is what we asked her to do. And then Mae Norman, our third, won her flight, the third right. flight. And I actually, she ended up being our second, but she won that third flight, which is great. Right. Uh, so those three just really gave us outstanding effort, which was exciting. What was it like today? Um, obviously, most likely in the of the season and that kind of stuff. What was it like just heading in today? Kind of, did you guys feel like a state meet or did you? Yeah. To... So we were one grateful that we had a sectional you know because so many sports obviously are under such pressure and canceled you know with so many other high school athletes having disappointments so we looked at this as a bonus because originally the season was going to end at regional right you know so to run against some really good teams at a high level meet was great um I know uh, when we talked earlier this this year, you talked about the battle with Prospect. I know yep. you guys have been yeah. going against each other yeah. for most of the season. Did that, how much did you guys talk about this? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Our goal was to get as close to them as possible. I mean, they're an awesome team. They're ranked number three in the state of Illinois. And, you know, we went after them. And if we were close, you know, I think on paper, someone has us ranked 11th. We feel like we're better than that because we challenged Prospect. It was great. Right. Yeah. What did you, uh, not, well, presumably this is probably over, but what, what, just looking back, what did you think of this year and just the craziness of it all and that kind of stuff, and what, what are you going to remember was, down the road with this group? One, it was stressful, <laughs> but we were real lucky because this group of uh, varsity athletes were just awesome to coach every day. Yeah. You know, they followed every rule and restriction, you know, without any problems. They became good friends, so that made it easy. You know, with a stress season, to actually have... One of our best teams ever, but truthfully, some awesome kids, especially our seniors, are just great. So that was fun. I know you're obviously still waiting on results, but is there still some thing of like obviously wanting Morgan to compete in one more meet? And yeah. Just, yeah. Do you still have that feeling? Or are you kind of are you guys fine with where things are at right now? Well, we're fine where things are at. There's that unofficial state meet, and we really hope we get invited to it. They're going to invite 20 teams, and you know, I would say we're counting on it because nothing's guaranteed. But we'd be very excited if we got one more race right you know and that would top off a great season then what would that be or like what would that uh be? that would be next sunday down in peoria 
Gotcha. So, you know, that would, and we could run there with really no pressure. That's, again, even a bonus and not an official state meet. So we can right. just go and have fun and, you know, just see how we can do. Thanks so much, Coach Simon, for joining us. Always so good you get coaches' insight on what is happening here um, in our meets and events. All right. We are halfway through the podcast, so I'd be remiss if I didn't say a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure to check them out. Move better, litter. Usually doing way or no way, uh, our usual guessing game, but we are going to uh, not do that this week because Joe and Marty are tired of bickering and fighting with each other. Probably, here, probably so we're going to give them a nice little week off. Probably a good thing for Joe's sake, though, right, uh, Michael? That way I can't teach him uh, a couple things about high school sports in the area. Probably probably good for, for your sake, right there, Joe? If I can, uh, <laughs> if I can hearken back to last week and, and what you said about prospects. Oh, Joe's on the podcast. Hey, Joe, how's it going? <laughs> I am. You know, I feel like I was a healthy scratch in the first half, maybe battling some tired leg syndrome. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to be back, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna contribute in the second half. Um, and I believe I won. My knees are my week. I just want to point that out. I called prospect this guy. Nice. Good for you. <laughs> anyway, move over to Cricket. the quarter Cricket. where we talk about and this guy's this guy's got the audacity that. to complain about uh aches and pain, Michael. I mean my knees are still barking from standing out on that concrete uh, patch on the uh Hoff State course last week. I mean my, my knees That is true. There were knees have been barking. There were not many trees to yeah, there were not many trees to lean on over at Hoffman <laughs> Estate. So uh, there was a lot of standing going on. Um, on the course, wherever we were let uh, there. Says the 26-year-old. <laughs> there was a field goal pulse that we both uh, took turns <laughs> leaning on. <laughs> Only one could lead on though each time, so we had to take turns. Um, anyways, we are going to recap what was a, a successful for how successful a fall season can be without having any state titles or anything like that. Um, this was kind of brought to our attention after Nutri Athletics kind of flexed um, on the rest of the area over the, well, I don't know when they did this. I had November 2nd, they tweeted out um, all their sectional and regional and conference trophies. Um, so congrats to Nutri. You guys really had a good fall. Um, so let's just talk about what was, I mean, it was in a normal fall. We didn't have football. We didn't have girls soccer. And we didn't have bo- uh, we didn't have boys soccer and we didn't have girls soccer. That's uh, we had boys volleyball. No, we had girls volleyball, girls soccer, and football not competing. There we go. Um, and we had no state championships, but that doesn't really take away um, from some of the storylines and fun of the, some of the fun stuff we had going on. Uh, so I'll start with you. What was probably your favorite just memory? Uh, and it doesn't only have to be Nutria, obviously Loyola and our other area schools can be included here, but what was your favorite fall memory, um, of just what these athletes were able to do in a very, uh, unusual circumstance? Um, you know, I, it's tough to, to think of one because it, it was so fluid, everything was changing and you were really just trying to grab onto whatever you could as a, uh, to hang your hat on. Um, you were really just trying to succeed in the moment cause you didn't know if there was a next moment. Um, you know, that was especially the case in, in cross country and swimming where they added sectionals late. So, um, 
I thought it was really cool what uh, girls swimming were able to do. Um, they were really proud of it. Girls tennis for Nutrier had a really a great season, with especially that young talent. It was fun to see um, kind of a mix of young and old, and, and they won the sectional running away. Um, you know, and so I don't know, um, memory specifically, just overall, um, those were my two favorite storylines uh, going in. And, and But at the same time, bittersweet, because those are teams, um, as well as the Nutria Boys Cross Country, um, possibly golf too, especially Nutria Girls Golf, that would have competed for a state title. They would have competed. Um, so we didn't get to see it. We didn't get to see a big trophy come home, but um, I think they were, since the expectations were pretty low to start, uh, you know, getting all the way through a sectional round, um, they're proud of it. And then they put it on, left it all on the, on the court, the field, the course, all that good stuff. Um, so um, they proved their medal. Marty, what were some of your favorite memories just from this fall? Yeah, I think first off, as Joe mentioned, the big takeaway is that we were able to make it through it um, and get as far as the sectional. Certainly that seems like a, a win for most of the parties involved, um, but it, it's hard to pinpoint uh, one specific thing like Joe mentioned, but uh, a big a big sport for me this year was cross country, covered, a lot, covered it a lot this year um, and haven't so much in the past. So I really enjoyed getting a getting the chance to get out there and enjoy that sport a lot more than I have in previous years. Um, tennis, tennis and golf as well had some, had very little experience um, prior to this year with live coverage of those events. So it was great getting out there um, shooting, shooting photos and uh, writing a couple stories on those sports as well. So very exciting to see that we had some, some great teams, both from Loyola and Nutrier um, and Regina as well on the tennis side side of things. So um, it was it was great being able to to still cover these sports in some capacities or at least the best capacity we possibly could given the circumstances. So hopefully it's not going to be um, our last live coverage for for the time being. Hopefully we'll be able to be back out there covering live sports in the near future. I think I can uh, all three of us can agree that that that's our hope sort of moving forward now. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I would agree with you that I think there are a lot of good teams uh, that competed. Um, some teams that come to mind are the Nutria Girls tennis team where they just dominated. I mean, the girls uh, Nutria Girls swimming team also really comes to mind. I remember talking to them at the beginning of the season where, um, I mean, they were runner-ups last year and they had high high hopes of winning a state championship and that was taken away. Um, they really battled uh, throughout the season where they were able to uh, – win every single meet that they won virtually. And then they were able to win the sectional meet as well. Um, so they uh, competed strongly, did everything that they could. Um, but, but I think I would, you guys uh, mentioned this a little bit earlier, just being able to go through the fall season with, from what we know, no major incidences, no major outbreaks or anything like that. Um, being able to give the guy, the girls and the guys a chance to compete um, in the safe way. Um, I think that's the biggest memory, obviously all the plaques and all the trophies are fun and that kind of stuff. But I think just being able to get through it, um, hopefully everyone is healthy and, um, and, uh, well, um, I think that's the main, uh, thing that we really, uh, are happy about and probably, uh, are hoping that we can do the same thing when it comes to the winter and, uh, spring and now I guess summer, since the summer is the season here in Illinois. But those were some of the good memories that we had from the fall. Um, hopefully uh, we were able to uh, 
get that going and hopefully we are able to get winter memories going uh, sooner rather than later. But that's a good segue now to go over to the fourth quarter uh, where we're going to talk about what the heck is happening with boys and girls basketball in the state of Illinois. Um, last week before we recorded the podcast, um, we had, I, I, don't, I don't think we had one announcement. Did we have the announcement of what Pritzker said or no? I think in since we had no announcement recorded, there's governor. about 13 different announcements. So we'll do our best to recap all the news. Yeah, that's happened. pretty fair. We seem to have a trend in the recent right. couple of weeks of there being significant news right after we record. So if you hear something new right after this, guys, all we can say is you're welcome. That is true. We do break news without actually breaking the news here on the Varsity Podcast. Um, <laughs> but the news was that Governor uh, Pritzker came out last Tuesday and said um, basketball is not going to be happening. Uh, then on the on Wednesday, the IHSA was like, nah, it's going to happen. We're going to do basketball. And then on Thursday, um, Governor Pritzker came back out saying that basketball is going to be moved to the spring. So where does that leave us? Um, I've actually talked to some coaches and some um, local athletic uh, directors in the area. And pretty much what it means is we're in a holding pattern. We don't know. A lot of coaches and uh, administrators don't really know what to do and are kind of hoping, uh, as we kind of mentioned earlier in past podcasts, that the leaders figure out how to communicate with each other and kind of – because, I mean – I mean, what was your guys' reaction when you hear one thing coming out on Tuesday, something else coming out on Wednesday, something else coming out on Thursday? I mean, it's hard. Like, we want these high school kids to kind of act professional and like these coaches to act professional when the leaders who are trying to determine whether we can play the sport aren't even communicating with each other, where each one is sniping saying, well, I didn't know this until 15 minutes before they were going to announce it. I mean, I got it. I gotta, I'm going to try not to go on a rant too much, guys. But, um, you know, the main Uh-oh, problem... varsity rant. Love the those. main problem I have with this whole thing is the IHSA. I-H-S-A. What they're doing is really bothering me because Governor Pritzker has been consistent. Moving things, canceling things, erring on the side of caution, whether you believe it's political or not. He's been consistent. This is what he's doing. He's... Following metrics, shutting down restaurants. He's doing the same with youth sports. He's doing the same with high school sports. So they had to know this was coming. So the miscommunication, I think it's on both sides. But to come out and say we're having a basketball season, defying him, does nobody any good. They're not even in charge of the scheduling for the regular season. They're only in charge of the postseason. They don't govern what schools do. So now they put it on all these schools, public schools especially, because they have boards of education. So they put it on boards of education to decide whether or not they will defy a governor's order to go through all the rigmarole. Are there insurance you know, issues? Are there liability issues? What can we do? What can't we do? Do we need testing? Exactly. They put a lot of people under pressure and a lot of people who are already under pressure under more pressure. And I don't think that's right. Um, and I just think they did it to make a statement. When in the past, I don't know how many times we talked about on this podcast and elsewhere, there is real meaningful change they can make if they just did something. Football playoff reform, change the seedings, uh, change the, the, um, the format of scheduling, 
um, where games are played. Wait, Joe, wait, 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 Joe. So you, you mean to tell me Loyola shouldn't be a 19 seed in the playoffs? <laughs> no, and also – football, that is, for the our best listeners. Team in the state it should be a 19 seed? On the road in the semifinals. You know, we have – sometimes we have the best four teams in one district, which means they're playing in a final four of a sectional. Sometimes they play in a regional. We got meaningful change we can make, but they don't want to do it. And then it comes to something that's out of their reach and they just want to make a statement. I, I think that's wrong. And it messed with a lot of people's minds. They've set up a scenario where you could actually have two basketball seasons. That's what they've done. You could have a handful of schools, not a handful, a dozens of schools decide we want to play right now because we want to get some kids, some, some, uh, some press. We want to get their names out there, whether that's in central Illinois, Southern Illinois, or, 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 the, or the suburbs. CPS isn't playing though. And that's the biggest district in the state and maybe the biggest in the country for basketball. So, and then you have some that are going to follow the governor's orders and maybe play in the spring. I I just think that's wrong. Um, I don't think that it was handled appropriately at all. And I think that decision they've made means absolutely nothing on the grand scheme of things. Listen, you won't hear me ever complain about the IHSA or come against IHSA. I've never been one for uh, fighting the IHSA on the great rules that they have that govern the high school bodies. But Marty, what were you going to add to this great conversation? Yeah, I was just going to say it sort of feels like them passing the blame, passing passing the buck along because they're they're sort of saying that with with this with this statement they made last week, they're sort of saying that yeah, you guys can play, but how the heck are you going to be able to pull it off? Joe, Joe um, summarized it pretty effectively in his, in his previous comments, but how, how are schools going to be able to pull this off? I mean, there are so many things they have to think about. They've already, I'm sure, got a million things on their plate with even trying to get students back in the building for learning, let alone sports. Um, and then you try to throw this onto their plate as well. So it certainly seems like they're just trying to pass it along to to the next party and say oh well we said that you guys could play basketball when in reality there was almost zero percent chance that that was actually going to happen and they knew that so i feel like i'm a i'm a broken record but i am going to ask you guys again this question are they going to play basketball at all this winter or what do you guys think are we going to see basketball at all this winter or at this point is it just not going to happen I think there's a chance we might see it at the private level. Um, Joe can weigh in on this as, as well, but some of our private schools, I think there's a chance we might see it maybe towards the start of next year. It's, it's hard to say, but I think if we are guessing as to where it might happen, I think our, our private schools might potentially be an option. Yeah. And, and I, I tried to look for it right before this, but I swear I saw a couple tweets from, mid-state central state district saying they will play um and i was trying to remember who it was um who did it um i believe it was it was central illinois but you know there's there's a lot of public schools that won't i mean i i don't see the central suburban league for instance deciding that they're going to play because if one team doesn't play um i don't think any of them are going to play so um i don't see it happening um, I see a few schools doing it and it not really being meaningful or impactful. And that's the real sad thing. You know, Marty mentioned it a couple of weeks ago 
And I don't blame the IHSA for this part because hindsight's 2020, but it does <laughs> seem like we may have missed our best opportunity to get some kids on the field um, with some sports in the fall. And because we're obviously at a much higher risk point right now um, in terms of the spread. Um, we didn't know that in, in August or, or July. Um, and, but now we're going to hit a point in the spring where, <laughs> where we have football and basketball playing at the same time and potentially volleyball. And a lot of kids play all those sports. Yeah. How much, how much easier would the IHSA's puzzle look right now? If baseball, softball, maybe boys swimming, maybe even um, soccer all had taken place in the fall. Yeah. I mean, you you're, we're talking about a dozen plus sports in one season now, which is, you know, it, you don't even want to think of the, of the logistics that are going to go into that. Even if you could get all the non-contact ones out of the way, I, I don't know why you wouldn't do bowling or move cheerleading or move gymnastics. If, if you can do gymnastics, kind of like you did swimming, if you can move all that at the front, it just makes it easier now for kids who might be wanting to play multiple sports or who do play. I mean, you know, it may be a little rare, but there are kids who are bowlers and who are also baseball players and um, gym, gymnasts and, and, you know, football. There's, that, there's a lot of student athletes like that. So now to have them all at once or packed in, um, not only is it a logistical nightmare, it might be a uh, injury nightmare too. I, I, I hope not, but we're running into – by a spring summer problem that's going to be unbelievable. And before we say goodbye, I feel like I have to mention the sport just because, I mean, everything runs around the sport base, especially for the IHSA. I mean, how realistic, I mean, are we going to go through the same issues with football when it comes to the spring? Like, are we going to come to the same issues where governor Pritzker is going to say, no, you can't play it. I mean, you guys are linemen are breathing on each other and all that kind of stuff. And then, is IHSA going to come out and say, now nah, we're going to still play football? Or are we going to see the same thing all over again in the spring? I, I hope they're looking currently at data collected from their surrounding states, Indiana, Wisconsin, all these states that played Iowa, you know, see what the risk factors are, um, you know, real data, real local data, and uh, assess it from there. And maybe there's, thresholds where they can play um i i think there's got to be something in the spring and the summer wrestling by the way moved to the summer too we didn't i don't, I don't know if we mentioned that but that's a big one too right uh high participation sport if there is one thing uh, i think that is worth noting and and something we've heard from several districts already is for any of these sports to happen the first thing is students need to be back in in the building learning I know several districts have come out and said that sports will not be taking place if they're full remote, if they're full remote learning. So I think we're going to have to first see what happens with students being in school and learning first before we figure out what's going to be happening with sports in, in the spring season. It'll be really interesting to see what ha happens there. And obviously you guys can uh, go to the record Shore.org to make sure you guys are catching up on all the latest news about school coming back and uh, what the deal with sports is and all the other COVID-related news that is happening in the world, and I know especially elections as well. 
uh, all that can be seen there. But that's all the news that we have for this episode of the Varsity Podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where they're. Make sure you're subscribing, giving us a nice little review as well. So thanks to uh, Joe and Marty for joining again this week. Um, we don't have sports scheduled at all. We don't have a, none of the winter sports that even are allowed to compete have any schedules out yet. So uh, we'll see what we'll talk about, but I'm sure the IHSA and the governor and the everything else will make headlines. So until the next time there's any sports news, we'll talk to you guys then. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.